Hey there, are you sick and tired of feeling sick and tired? Join Adol Kozilski and Fagy Stern as they explore ways to reverse chronic illness and achieve vibrant health. Your health is your only wealth and together we can be better. Hashtag Healthy You, Wealthy You. Welcome, and it's 101.9 High FM, and yes, in not in the studio, but in studios around Johannesburg, there's myself, Adel Kozulski, in a real office, and then there's Faggy. What? How does your office look today, Faggy? This is a real office, Adel. <laughs> <laughs> Tell the listeners what your real office looks like, Faggy. Come on, be honest. <laughs> it's become a COVID office, maybe. Maybe more people are going to be starting to take their offices into their cars, <laughs> sitting in a beautiful scene with the trees and people watching people walking. It's a great office. <laughs> yeah, and hopefully this time I won't have any children trying to get into my car. <laughs> last, last week, last week, Faggy's, Faggy's uh, uh, office was hijacked by children. <laughs> she shifted office. We relocated. It's a pretty easy office to move. <laughs> virtual office, virtual office, the real thing. Mo- mobile office, a mobile office. <laughs> office on wheels. Exactly. Well, welcome everybody to the Healthy You, Wealthy You show. As always, um, we love to hear feedback from you and thank you to everybody who um, SMSs in. Um, always, if you'd like to join our WhatsApp group and just be part of the conversation, you can WhatsApp on 34519 and or, or send an email to info at com and give us your name and your cell number and the kind people, Kathy Kayla and company, will send us your details and we'll gladly add you to our WhatsApp group. And as we always say before we start, we uh, give a, we indemnify ourselves, myself and Fagi are not medical practitioners. We are lay, laymen, we are simple mothers, wives and women just trying to uh, navigate the the, the, our health and to ensure that we're actually living vibrantly, we're living health, uh, healthily and as always with this coronavirus, what has been accentuated the most and the discussion is turning more and more even amongst um, the government and other places is how do we get our population to become more healthy because this coronavirus is dangerous and we've had to go through this tremendously hard time simply because six out of ten people, I was listening to a podcast the other day, six out of ten people are living with some type of chronic illness. And as soon as you get into chronic illness, you land up having a, one of the things you have is is a a compromised immunity, and that, of course, affects us when we are dealing with something like coronavirus. So we're here to discuss all things healthy and just to try to understand it from a layman's perspective. And um, this week on our WhatsApp group, we are speaking about children and, you know, bringing up our children healthy. One of the things that is being particularly hard, and I was having this conversation with Fagy last night. In fact, I told her we had such a good conversation, we should have just recorded it, and then you could have had a great <laughs> recording today. But yeah. The fact is, is that, um, you know, in our frenetic lifestyle, your children, we're shuttling them around and driving them crazy and giving them food that is just fast food so that we can just get on with our lives. And in fact, we really are, um, we are compromising them to a large, large extent. So we're going to go off to a break 
And um, after the break, we will get back and we're just going to discuss some issues that we have with kids. If you want to join in the conversation, 34519 is the number. Catch the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kozilski and Fagy Stern every Wednesdays at 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. only on 101.9 High FM. Welcome back to the Healthy You, Wealthy You show. And today we are going to discuss just a whole lot of issues regarding children. And I think the, I, I think the best place um, to knock off this discussion, Fagy, is to discuss the fact that the health of our children actually lies in the preconception of them, i.e. before we even think about them, what it is we can do to ensure um, our health. Like, I think that's something very, very important, what we can do, um, you know, to make sure that we are healthy enough and that we are giving them what it's needed through conception and through pregnancy before we even, you know, bring them into this world. Absolutely. Um, it's actually pretty interesting that we kind of don't think that what we're eating and what we're doing to ourselves before we even think of conceiving, um, would have an effect on our, you know, on our child. And it's a very interesting fact, actually, that the birth control pills that we take before we even consider conceiving, no matter how long before you conceive, it depletes us of vitamin B6. Um, and vitamin B6 is actually a very big um, reason why people suffer from anxiety and depression. Uh, if we then are depleted in vitamin B6 and then we conceive, we pass that on to our child. And not oh, wow. only with vitamin B6, it's pretty hectic. Um, to, to understand actually what, what's happening to our bodies before we decide to conceive is super important, as you say. If we decide to conceive, it's very important to kind of prepare our bodies um, in many ways, where, whether it's coming to, you know, eating the healthy food, um, taking the multivitamins, taking omega oils, because as we know, omega oils really um, creates a really beautiful environment for the brain and creates the brain and helps brain, like support the brain. Um, so supporting our own bodies and preparing our bodies before we conceive is a big, mm. you know, thing to think about and to prepare our bodies for. Right, right. And obviously during pregnancy, um, that, you know, it's of vital importance. I can tell you that um, just in my childbearing time, and thank God I'm over it because <laughs> uh, now that I think back, I don't know actually how I did it. But uh, I had like various pregnancies, some that I thought I was very healthy when in, ter- in, in, in truth I was really pretty sick. Um, I nearly lost my life um, and all uh, uh, during one pregnancy and all of it was just because I was toxic. I was toxic myself inside. I was eating the wrong foods. I had had a buildup of, of, of rubbish that I had eaten for I don't know how long, you know, in my, my teenage years and it really, really affected me and obviously then affected um, my child um, when 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 I did when I did give birth and interestingly when I did start this whole um, health journey and try to correct all the I guess negative things I did to my body uh, my most healthiest pregnancy interestingly 
All I did was was vomit for nine months. And I actually said to the homeopath, wow, you know, I'm sick all the time. And he said, it's a good thing. He says, because all your body is doing now, your body is so healthy that anything that that that, that you smell or you're eating mm. or is not 100% is actually throwing it out of your body and not allowing your body to ingest it. And it, mm. it, was, it, it, it was my best pregnancy. It was my, my healthiest pregnancy. Carried full term, didn't have any complications. After coming, you know, from previous pregnancies where there were a tremendous amount of complications and 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 medical conditions that 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 were really really serious, you know, in nature. Yes, I swapped it with being sick for nine months, you know, but I had I was healthy and I had a healthy child, and so I think yes, it's very very important when we're talking about the health of children. For those that are, you know, on the journey of wanting to, to, to have kids or, you know, are wanting to have another kid, it's, it's never too late. You know, one should look at one's personal health and do as much as possible to optimize your health before conception and certainly during pregnancy, you know, to ensure that you're giving yourself and, and, and your unborn child the, the, the maximum nutrition and, and health environment. And that's not only you in know, food. I, I, Go ahead. You're saying with exercise as well and with being mindful, yeah. etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yes. I mean, when our uh, my my health journey kind of started only a couple of years ago, so I didn't really know a lot of this information before, you know, with my with my children that I have, that I have so far. Um, and when I used to eat, I used to think to myself, well, how can it affect my child? Because whatever my child's getting, obviously he'll get the right stuff. You know, right. what exactly could I be passing to my child that's going to affect my child? And you don't necessarily consider or think to yourself, oh, I better take my omega oils because then my, the brain of my child will be different to whether I don't take it, etc. So, you know, it's actually been proven. Like the the way we eat, the the, the supplements that we take um, really does have an effect on our child. And not only on our, the brain development, etc., on the future of that child, is that child going to be, um, you know, an anxious child? Is it going to be a depressed child? It, there's, there are ways that we can help the future of that child by what we eat and what we, you know, what enters our mouth. Right, hundred percent. Okay, so I think I think that's like a a, pre, a pretty pretty clear thing. Um, and uh, yes, I think it's of vital, of vital, vital importance. And I did, I did see the difference between the kids that I, I personally was not a hundred percent well, and how it affected them even after they were born, just in terms of their ability to fight immunity, their ability, you know, to function healthy, and me having a healthy pregnancy, and then being able to to see that the, the you know the consequent health of of the child. So there definitely is a correlation. And it's, it's, it's of vital importance. And I think we're speaking the obvious, but I think everything about healthy you, wealthy you is obvious. It's just that we need to remind ourselves and we need to remind others. So then we, we get on to the... I want to bring up one little point though, Adel, if I can, is about genetics as we've been speaking about it a couple of times. Um, and I know it sounds pretty extreme, but I've seen it from plenty of doctors. Um, yes. they actually say that you know, we, we speak about epigenetics and we speak about kind of turning off our dirty genes, etc. Um, but there, it's, it's been proven and, you know, there's studies, etc. that show that if we're able to kind of turn off our dirty genes or clean our dirty genes before we conceive, that gene won't necessarily pass on to our child. 
Very interesting. Very, very interesting indeed. And again, uh, another point that, uh, that, that, that adds to, to the motivation of why you should ensure that, you know, you are healthy and that before you conceive, you know, you're in a state that maximizes or optimizes the environment for the unborn child. We're going to go for an ad break and afterwards we are going to just discuss all things kids. Catch the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kozilski and Fagy Stern every Wednesdays at 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. only on 101.9 High FM. Hi, and you're welcome back to 101.9 High FM, the Healthy You, Wealthy You show. This is Adol Kozilski joined uh, by Fagy Stern. And we are discussing children and how we can help our children optimize themselves a lot of where our children find themselves and how they're behaving and how they're acting is very, very much in our hands as as parents and as caregivers. And I think that if we as the adults become more mindful about what we are feeding our children, what environment we're putting our children in, um, and you know, just become a little bit more, I think, intuitive in watching our children, uh, we can actually assist them in behaving better, eating better, and ultimately what we are doing is affecting our children's behavior um, and and their, their whole lifestyle and whole health uh, trajectory. You know, again, just like they say, six out of ten people are living with chronic ailments. There is a tremendous um, upsurge in the in the pediatric world. In in you know when you're looking at the younger population, the young population where they should be completely healthy and thriving. That again, there is a huge statistic of children that are sick, a lot of children that are obese, a lot of children that are suffering from anxiety, um, ADD. Like if your kid doesn't have ADD, there's something wrong with them because who doesn't have a kid with ADD or AD? HD and a lot and, and if you actually look at the rise of, of incidents of all of this, we've actually got to question ourselves and say, why in today's modern world where we've got absolutely everything, are our children sicker than they were fifty years ago? And I think it's because it's because of our lifestyle. So we, we can kick off and like discuss like you know a, a number of things. Let's just touch base very, uh, uh, very briefly, Faggy, with the ADD and the ADHD, um, you know, syndrome that that many many parents um, find themselves in, where you know kids can't concentrate, bouncing off the walls, and we 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 do go to medication to try and like just calm the whole situation down, and you know to give the kid the opportunity to learn. It's actually interesting that, that our society has kind of gone in that direction. You know, any time that there's something wrong with a child, they have ADD, ADHD, or they're slightly anxious, the first thing you do is decide that they have to go on some type of medication. Um, and there are multiple talks at so many schools about, you know, whether they should be on, on a Ritalin or an anti-anxiety medication. And uh, we were discussing this last night, how mm-hmm. in a way it's, it's a pretty sad world that that's – Obviously, it's necessary for, for kids that need it. But in a way, I don't think that we've been educated enough um, in nutrition to understand that so much of it does come from, from you know, how we feed our kids and how we feed ourselves. Um, and obviously, that there are so many benefits and things that we can do naturally to help our children before we even go that route. And even if we do go that route, and, and yes, as I say, it's like important for many children, um, 
you know, to, to kind of help them with naturally at the same time. Actually, they say that, you know, the medication that kids are on, if you do help them with their nutrition and their stuff and their gut, it's, mm. it's, it helps the medication work that much better as well. Um, so when it comes to ADD and ADHD, uh, you know, there's, there's so many reasons. And again, we can go in a way back to birth and how a child was born, whether it was natural or Caesar. Um, you know, if the kid was, got the, the bacteria from their mother or not. Um, you know, as Dr. As, Dr. Josh X was saying on the video the other day that we posted, how a big reason in a way for, for ADD and ADHD is the lack of the probiotic that children have in their gut. And, um, you know, so many times we'll throw so many antibiotics onto our children, whether they have an ear infection, which again then goes and destroys the good, the good gut bacteria. Um, and what, what he was suggesting is to take you know, probiotics and basically build up that gut microbiome. Um, there are many ways that we could help our, help our children with ADD and ADHD naturally. Uh, you know, probiotics actually produces a lot of, lots of vitamins and minerals in our body. It actually helps produce, uh, let's say, vitamin B12 or your B vitamins, which actually supports brain and focus. Right. Um, uh, it even helps absorb, you know, zinc which also helps, you know, focus and concentration. So we see a lot that, uh, you know, when it comes to ADD and ADHD, it is mo- a lot connected to the gut. Um, and to kind of feed that child with what they need. So we were discussing last night, Adel, about uh, the difficulty of feeding children. Mm. And, you know, I've, I've come across so many times, you know, whether it's friends or people that I've, that I've spoken to about their children, it is difficult to feed children. And some yeah. children are, some children are very, very fussy. And you can't sit there and force feed a child that's not going to want to eat something healthy. Some children aren't interested in proteins. Some children aren't interested in vegetables. Some kids are very, very, um, let's say addicted or really want the carbohydrates and the sugars because that's either what they're being fed or what they want. And it's very difficult to change that. So I do understand when mothers have a hard time feeding their child and you, and, you know, to come and kind of say to a mother who does have a hard time feeding their child the foods that, that are healthy and say, well, just feed them nutrition, you know, give them good food and things will change. It's not so simple. And I do understand that. So um, my one son is quite fussy. He, he he doesn't like, you know, that many foods. And what I've decided to do, first of all, I prefer not to give my children cereals in the morning. I know we discussed this as well. That mm-hmm. I don't even buy it. Like if I have OTs in my cupboard... That's what they're going to want to go for. You know, when they go to my mother, the first thing they go go to is her cupboard and say, "Can I please have some OTs?" Um, because they're probably so deprived at home. But I'd rather <laughs> them start with a good protein breakfast so that during the day their sugar levels don't drop all the time and they, they can actually concentrate better. Uh, we see in so many places how they say to have a good protein, fiber, um, you know, and a healthy fat at every single meal. Yeah, which yeah. again okay. can help with the with a concentration. I, I can tell you, and I'm just, as, as you're talking, I'm thinking about it, you know, the, the last two days, it was interesting, I, I, I took a whole lot of salmon out of the freezer, and there was leftover salmon, and I, I love salmon, and the last two days, I, I don't know what 
you know, generally I, I eat fruit for breakfast and other stuff, but I decided to, to grill the salmon for breakfast. So like I fried some onions and put some vegetables, um, some olive oil and the salmon. And I ate it for the, the last two days, yesterday and the day before. I had that for breakfast. Can I tell you that I didn't want food or look for food and, and I had a tremendous yeah, because you had the healthy lipid. fats, correct. Yeah, yeah. I, I like so survived to two, three o'clock. And 100%. Yeah. Now, if we could change that for our children, and I think, I think your point about the fact that children are very, very fussy, um, there are, there is two parts to it. One is that we've made them fussy and that we've just fed them. It's just much easier to say to the kids, sit down, take out a, a, a box of cereal, pour, you know, pour the cereal, pour the milk and just say eat, you know, as opposed to say, for example, what I had to do yesterday, I had to sit down, I had to, I had to, not sit down, I had to take a, a, a saucepan and, and put in the, the salmon and cut up the onion and cut up, et cetera, et cetera. So a lot has to do with us putting in the effort, but maybe even streamlining the effort for if you know that that is going to help your kid, then like, you know, do it once and package it into four or five containers, you know, freeze it and bring it out and rather give that. All has to do with the preparation. You could spend a whole Sunday just cutting up vegetables and making some food that's available to take in the fridge. It's very easy to take, you know, a a slice of pizza, put it in the oven and feed that to your child because they're happy. They'll eat it. You don't have to force them to eat it. Right. Um, right. And you know what, Adel, this actually goes back to when a child is born and how, you know, there's so many feeding processes and how do you start your child? We, we're told, or, you know, a lot of people start their child on cereals, which is yes. actually just empty calories and it's just filling their stomachs up, but it's not giving them the nutrients that they need. So right. there's like a whole new day and age. Sorry. There's a whole new day and age, um, you know, way of feeding your children. Some people start at four months, some people start at six months, where they're actually blending, as you say, salmon mm-hmm. and coconut mm-hmm. oil mm-hmm. and lamb. And whatever, mm. that's the first foods that this kid is eating. So what are they exposed to from the very beginning is this tasty, rich, wholesome fiber, um, protein and fats. And right. that's kind of what their palates get used to. Instead of force feeding them with, you know, this plain, uh, you know, carbohydrate sugar, right. you know, right. so that they, that their blood sugar is also just going to drop. So oh, let's yeah. just go back and basically say that having a protein, having a healthy fat and having a fiber, I make a, a smoothie for my child. It has everything in it, and I throw things that he would never have. I throw in some flaxseed powder. I throw psyllium husk, which is a great fiber. I throw in some some um, almond butter, uh, raspberries, literally whatever I can. You can even throw a probiotic in there if you want. You can throw in some coconut oil, which is a healthy fat, which they would never have on its own, and they would never even taste it. It's all delicious. Mm-hmm. You know, as, as you're talking, um, again, I, as, as as we've said before on the show, you talk. I'm, I'm much older than you. I'm already in the grandmother stage. You're in the young mother stage. But I, I, now, I mean, I've forgotten what I did with my kids. Quite honestly, it was too long ago. But I've even watched with my grandkids. My first granddaughter. My daughter was very strict with her. Did you know? As we spoke, only gave her water to drink, not all those juices that are full of, of sugar, and didn't ply her with all the sweets. You know, thank God now she's 11 years old, and it's so interesting when Shabbos party comes along, and you know, there's any indulgence, she actually turns her nose up still, and won't 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 eat all these like sweets that are you know like just colorants and stuff because. That's like for the first two years, three years of her life, she didn't know anything like that, and so she didn't acquire that taste or that need for for, yes. for for rubbish. And it's a it's a very interesting phenomenon, you know. 
Um, there was a lot of things happening last night. We spoke for a long time. And then uh, just as I was getting ready for bed, I came across a, uh, a video um, by Mel – what's her name? It's not – is it Mel Robbins, the, the five-second lady. So she was just talking on, on another on – it was a short clip. It was about five minutes about somebody who says that she was talking from an emotional point of view, you know, just of, of the way she's behaving as an adult and how she sees that she's behaving like that because that's how she was taught when she was young. And she made a very, very um, important observation that like just struck me. She said, when you are young, whatever you see in your environment becomes like – becomes a script – you know, yes. she was talking about communication, saying, why are you shut down? Because you, when you were young, you hung around, you know, family, your parents, whatever, that if they had a fight, they didn't fight it out or they didn't, you didn't see them collaborating to make it better. They just shut down. And so you yes. learned that shutting down is normal. Well, the same point can be done in terms of eating. If we go and train our kids properly when they are young, then that becomes, it, it, it becomes scripted. Like my granddaughter doesn't drink any, any, any anything but water because we used to laugh when she was young, saying, "Here's Hashem's best juice. It's called mm-hmm. water. It like gives mm-hmm. you everything." And so, whenever we have the table, it, it, it be anywhere. She just won't go for it because when she eats it, she goes, "Ew, what is this?" You know. Whereas the majority of people will be drinking a a cold drink or a, you know a very heavy. Uh, uh, sugar-laden juice and, you know, people would like, it, it would be the opposite effect. They'd go, oh, I can't drink water. It's just too plain. I need something, you know, to color it up. And yes. it's just, it's just habit and, and, you know, perception. And once you actually change that perception, I think that the fight against difficult children also relaxes somewhat, even though I think your point about difficult children is is true and that, you know, certain children won't like things. And so you've got to be become innovative and you've got to take initiative in trying to, you know. I, I ran you know what I've found? Is actually so, yeah, carry on. No, carry yeah, on. You go ahead. You go ahead. You know what I found so interesting is that um, I keep on going to this gluten and dairy story and how, you know, when I, when I came home from school, there was always fresh rolls um, or cereal and milk. And that's what we went for. I keep on saying, had I known what I know now, what happens to my body when I have gluten or dairy, had I known that when I was in school, my school career would have been completely different. Uh-huh. I used to lie down on my desk. I couldn't sit up straight. I couldn't concentrate. I had a difficult time. You know, my sugar levels kept on dropping, so I had to keep on reaching for food. Had I known, let's say, even... The, like what a mood I would get into literally just from having gluten. You, yeah. I think it's super important also to understand every child. And I've, right. I've come to learn, even as an adult, what happens to me when I eat those types of food. I become irritable. I become more sensory. Noise around me, I get more, you know, irritated and agitated. Can you imagine what a child feels? Can yeah. you imagine what a child who is sensitive to those types of food, they eat it, they ingest it, like be aware of what happens to them and kind of if they if their behavior changes, if their mood changes, um, if their concentration changes, if they become a bit more aggressive or angry, like there are there are children that cannot tolerate it, you know, obviously more so than other children. And when you do take it's it's actually an interesting fact that when you do take that kind of food out of their diet, as hard as it is, um, mm. they actually become that much more interested in the other types of foods. 
Right. Exactly. Exactly. That, and and I find it even as an adult, if you, the 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 the, the break is very hard. Last last year, around about August. I went on like a huge break on, you know, and I was eating pretty healthy, but I like, I went like cold turkey on all the stuff we're talking, no gluten, no sugar, no, no, no dairy, no anything like that. And for the first week I was mad, I was highly irritable. I had a headache. Yes. I was in a bad mood. And I, I remember I had a gathering at my house. Um, on Shabbos, I was giving a share and, and everyone looked at me and said, what is wrong with you? I said, I, I feel like I'm a raging, ranting, I don't know, I'm just, I'm just out of sorts. And I'm like going through this detox and one woman said, you know what, just fast fade, like wait a week, wait 10 days and you'll see Dial that. symptoms, you had to yes. dial symptoms. Yeah. And once because I... The bad bacteria is saying, I want that carbohydrate, I want that sugar, Correct. it's going crazy. Correct, correct. And it, it, it's a real thing. It's not an unreal thing. It's a real thing. But I, I bit the bullet and seriously, um, uh, you know, I've changed a lot since then. And now when I go back to the foods that I really shouldn't be eating, I've got to eat a little bit of it, of it and I feel so sick. I think to myself, why did I, why did I put that in my mouth? Why? Because it, 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 oh, it's horrible. And six months ago, like that would have been a staple diet and I would have like received a tremendous amount of, of pleasure. Yes. Know? Well, anytime um, I have any, any small amount of gluten, I literally cannot lift my head from the pillow. Or I'll fall asleep <laughs> on the couch, which would never happen. Mm-hmm. I usually have so much energy. Now, imagine me as a child in school eating, eat, eating cereal or something for breakfast with gluten, then having a lunch with a roll, for, for you know, having a pizza, having a pasta. Imagine the amount of children that are sitting in school, unable to concentrate because of something that they're eating, and then they have to be put on a Ritalin or a medication that's making them that much more crazy. Absolutely. We're going to go for an ad break and continue the discussion. Please be, don't be shy. 34519 is the SMS number. If you'd like to partake in this conversation, if you'd like to get more information and join our WhatsApp group, you can email info at highfm.com with your name and number, and we will gladly join you in. Catch the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kozilski and Fagy Stern every Wednesdays at 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. only on 101.9 High FM. Welcome back, and we're discussing all things children. I think, Fagy, one of the other things that, um, you know, comes to mind, again, as I said, I've, like, passed my child-rearing uh, years, but... I remember one, one, one particular child of mine was, was, I think he had about 10 sets of grommets in the first year of, uh, of, of his life. You know, there was just always infection and always grommets. And that led eventually to a very severe autoimmune disease, which in the allopathic world was irreversible. It was a lifetime disease. Um, thank God we had like specialist pediatricians in, in Johannesburg that could treat him. And that's actually where my, my journey began in looking for, some, you know, something to reverse all of it, which I did, thank God. And, and, and today he's a, he's a walking miracle because of it. But when I look back, it all, all it was was an allergy to milk. And even when I told the specialist pediatricians and everything afterwards that he was cured of an incurable disease, they laughed at me, but it was just so true that this ingesting of 
the wrong formula, the wrong milk, you know, then caused an autoimmune reaction and the body went haywire and then you landed up with all these infections and then you had grommets and then you had, you know, sinus and then you, then it just, it just, it was like a rolling ball that you actually couldn't stop and all it was was something simple, milk. I've always had this question. There's so many times where I think to myself, why are children having so many grommets? And you've just, you've just said it. That's exactly yes. it. Uh, it's actually and, a scary, scary it is, concept. It, it, it is very, very scary. And and lately, I think it was last year. One of my grandchildren also started with the, the you know, you go to the ENTs. And again, I'm not knocking ENTs here. Please listen out there. There is definitely a place for allopathic medication and and interventions, and and we do need our doctors. But um, you know, he came to a point also where they went and said, you can't. You know, he can't carry on. You need to take out his tonsils. You need to take out his adenoids. And I begged and pleaded. I said, please just go see what it is you're feeding. And they found out that he also was allergic to gluten and dairy. And here when we're talking about these allergies, I think it needs to be said, it's not this anaphylactic reaction. You know, when people go, yes. I'm allergic to, to dairy and gluten. Well, even me. If I eat a piece of bread, nothing's going to happen to me. But a buildup of it just then starts, my, my body just starts shutting down and, you know, uh, acting in weird and one, one, wonderful you know, ways. Not even that. It's actually a difficult thing to test for because if you go to a doctor and say, I want to check if I'm, if I'm, you know, allergic to gluten or sensitive to gluten, even if you do do a blood test, it's not going to come up that you're allergic to gluten. There's very, very specific types of, you know, tests to do, which we don't even do re- in regular labs here. So, as you say, you know, someone will come and go, oh, I'm not allergic to gluten or I'm not sensitive to gluten. And you don't necessarily see the, the side effects straight away, as you're mentioning. Right, right. But, but, but they are there and there is a buildup of there. Now, again, as an adult, I see what happens when I eat gluten and I see what happens um, when I eat milk. And I, 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 I'm very sensitive and understand now how my body reacts within four or five hours. You know, I'm getting some minor symptom, but the more I would, you know, perpetually do it, if I would do day in, day out, I would land up in the sick situation that I found myself. And the same thing happened with my grandson. When they stopped the OTs and stopped all, all the stuff, thank God he still's got his adenoids and his tonsils, and they're there for a reason, those things. God didn't create them, you know, in a, a super, superfluous way, like, you know, it's completely superficial. You don't need them. Just pull them out. Um, yes. <laughs> You know, so it, it, I think it's very, very important that, that, that people uh, and parents, mothers in particular, um, and I guess this is really the, the, the base motivation for, for our, uh, our quest of Healthy You, Wealthy You, is that you actually start becoming intuitive and watching what it is that you're putting into your, the, the, your mouths, your, your, your children's mouths every single day and how you can actually turn the tide on at least 70 to 80% of the, the trials and tribulations that you go through with your kids simply by giving them wholesome food and giving them a good environment, getting enough sleep, you know, getting good exercise. We spoke about it, I think, two weeks ago when we were dis- or yeah, last week when we were discussing exercise, that, you know, our children aren't don't, don't run free anymore. They're like they were going going to school then running to this thing and then running to that thing and then going home and then sitting again and running the – we, 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 everybody's got themselves into a knot, and I think quarantine now has allowed people, you know, to to think a little bit out of the box. You know, Ada, we talk about ADD and ADHD, and 
as an interesting phenomenon, actually. Why should a child be able to sit at a desk all day long learning and listening to a teacher? Like mm-hmm. we're medicating our children just because they, they have to be able to sit down straight the whole day. Is that normal? Yeah. Like, get them to move, get them to exercise, teach them in a way that they don't have to sit down and concentrate all day. My son now that we're, we're doing Zoom lessons and doing stuff online, he gets the stuff done quicker and then he's able to move. He's able to go to the kitchen. He's able to go outside. In a classroom environment, that would never happen. Yeah, so I, I think the whole educational, you know, system is, as everything else, the health system, the educational system, the financial yeah. system, everything <laughs> is coming into question now. And I think that they're very good and they're very healthy questions because it's, you know, we need to face and look at it and say, you know, not every child is the same. Some children are auditory, some children are visual, some yes. children have zitzflash and they can sit for, for six hours. Others are, you know, are OT and all over the place and rather climb the jungle gym and learn the world from the jungle gym than from, from, from the school chair. And that yes. maybe we need to start creating environments, you know, where, where, where people are able to express themselves in their fullest without being boxed because this is what you have to do right now. And how many people, how many children are being, you know, medicated just because of that? Right, right, right. So and as a I society think- thing, we all, we all just follow each other and we all just, you know, this is what has to be done. And this, this is the only choice that we have. I mean, we all just literally, this is the way. This is the only way. But right. at the end of, actually, I think, Adel, one of the biggest reasons why we started the show was because, um, you know, we saw that there were, that there are a lot of other reasons to, you know, chronic disease, et cetera. Um, right. and it's an unfortunate reality that these things aren't like, like common knowledge. Right. We, we weren't taught about it. Look, at if the end you, of the if day. You don't have to go and convince someone that their child has major ADHD and that they're on these hectic medications and they've been the root of, you know, all the doctors, all the psychiatrists, they've gone to every single person possible. If I were to come to them and say, you know, if you just change the nutrition a little bit, things might be different, they would never believe me. Right. Why is this world going in that direction? No, they still don't. Why is it that we cannot believe or accept that autism is being turned around through nutrition? There Mm -hmm. are proven people out there, even in Johannesburg, that have taken their children that have autism, have fed them differently, have detoxed them from the heavy metals, and... And, and change them and kind of put them into society and into, you know, like normal classroom environment. Yes, there's different levels and I understand that and I can appreciate that. Um, but, you know, why is it, let's say someone has a vaccination and a couple of months later they start with symptoms? Yeah. The heavy yeah. metals in those vaccinations are a problem. And actually I realize another thing, how I've seen it so many places how people are not anti-vaccination. I vaccinate my children and there are certain things, you know, that I question, et cetera. But there's also ways of doing it that can benefit your child. You can detox your child before. You can give them magnesium baths before the vaccination. You can boost yeah. their immune system with the right, you know, supplements, et cetera, vitamin Cs or whatever else. Then they get the vaccination and then detox them after because some people don't detoxify, you know, correctly. Some, right. you know, it's not so simple. I don't detox correctly. I need to take supplements to detox my body. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. these heavy metals and, you know, these things that we're putting into our children's mouths and bodies does have an effect on their behavior, on their emotional um, status, on their concentration. 
And what do we do? We go and fill them with more. Right. We are going to go for a bit of a break. What do you guys think? Do you agree? Do you disagree? There's a lot of controversy about it, but I think that the proof is in the pudding. And when you are seeing individuals that are turning it around, maybe we need to take, you know, stop and take a breath and maybe say, is there an alternative? Catch the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kozilski and Fagy Stern every Wednesdays at 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. only on 101.9 High FM. Well, I think that there's like really, really a lot to talk to, talk about. And, you know, last night we sat down and I think, Fagy, you and I, we spoke for about two and a half hours and we, we didn't even exhaust the topic. And certainly, you know, in 40 minutes, we've really touched the iceberg of, of so many things, but really what we're looking at is to, to just, you know, start just having a change in attitude and a change in, in perception about, about the environment around us and the health of our families. One thing that we haven't brought up and we're not going to bring it up um, completely because we can have a whole show on it. Maybe that can be for next week is essential oils and what, it, what, what, you know, how it affects kids. Essential oils is another one of those natural things that not everyone necessarily believes in. But I can tell you now, I've seen real stuff happening. <laughs> My husband wasn't uh, very pro these types of things when I was kind of bombarding him. But mm-hmm. um, I've even proven it on him. You know, there, there was a time that he was really struggling and shaking and you know, sore stomach, etc. I ran for my oils, helped him out, and within 30 seconds, he felt better. So... Yeah. There's a lot of amazing essential oils out there. Again, as you say, there's going to be like another whole complete topic for another day. Um, but there are oils that literally go directly into your hippocampus, into your brain that helps a child with concentration, with mood disorders, with anxiety and depression. Um, and it is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful natural way of helping a child. Um, right. You can make your own roll-ons. A child can take it into school with them. Um, it helps them with sensory issues. There's an oil called vetiver um, that actually helps with focus. Um, it improves concentration. There's actually what people are doing in, classroom, in classrooms. A lot of teachers are taking um, all overseas. I don't know here as well. I actually know my son's teacher is into it. She takes a diffuser, puts in a couple of drops of peppermint, and peppermint mm. is meant to help with concentration and to kind of keep children, you know, more awake. Um, helps with memory. So anyone, even adults with memory issues can use um, peppermint to help, to help their brains. Um, there's rosemary. There's cedar wood, which is very calming and grounding. There's lavender, which is also known to be very calming. So children with anxiety, children with, you know, ADD, yeah. ADHD, taking lavender, putting it at the base of their neck, making them smell it, putting it in a diffuser, there's plenty ways of helping a child calm themselves down. Um, my, my nephew the other day got a bee sting. He right, claimed he was right. like frantic, absolutely frantic. My first thing is I run for my oils. I get the lavender. I put it on the bee sting. And he was still like panicking. I took Valor, which is an oil, you know, an essential oil, mm. and made him smell it, put it on the base of his neck. And you can watch it in front of your eyes within Literally 30 seconds to a minute, they're completely, completely calm. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, so beautiful. Look, there is no question that, that, that one needs to shift, one needs to shift one direction for themselves and for their kids. And hopefully, um, 
you know, just our discussion today has got you thinking in the right direction. There are many, many practitioners, particularly in our, our own our own hometown of Johannesburg, and certainly in South Africa and around the world, that are you know putting things out there that will give you um, ways to look at how you can change the way you feed your family and the environment that you create for your family. Um, Run time has really run out. I was having a lot of fun. Thank you, Faggy, um, for joining, for <laughs> joining you, today. Thank you for everybody out there. We love hearing your comments. Again, you can um, send an email to info at highfm.com and you can join the conversation on WhatsApp. And um, until next week, have a, a more healthy, a more wealthy uh, week that is filled with lots of nutrition, sunlight, fresh air, and sleep. Have a wonderful, wonderful week.